Today we're discussing the economic structure in Mozambique. <laughs> it's going to be extremely interesting. And you're you, going to love it. You won't want to miss LJ's take. <laughs> Welcome to PRN. We can't call ourselves by another name because that would be considered copyright infringement. Right, exactly. So, wink, wink. Uh, wink, wink. It <laughs> is wink, good wink. to be back from our long winter's break. Our long winter's nap. A hibernation. It was... I look at the last time we recorded an episode, and it was right, actually, it was even before summer, so we just took a little break during the summer, and the fall, and the winter, and here we are in the spring, and it's good to be back on The Preacher and the Policeman. Welcome back, Sir Andrew. It's so good to be back. I have such a good time with you, and I have truly missed this. Me too. And thanks to all the listeners out there, los escucho, <laughs> forget my Spanish, los escuchadores out there who has, who have told us that they appreciate and enjoy and even miss the podcast. So you helped us feel wanted and not like in a post office poster kind of way. <laughs> hey, if we're doing shout outs, I noticed on some of the stats you shared, uh, the UK followers there and also all of our friends in Deutschland. How about that? I mean, we have a following really globally at this point, maybe not tens of thousands or even... Well, we are PRN. <laughs> Are we PRN or RPN? I forget which one we are. We're an anagram of another place. <laughs> Not to be mentioned. We'll try to have that soft touch they have. Yes. Hello. My name is LJ. It is now nap time. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Actually, we're going to do our very best to tackle a tough issue, a tough question. How could good God allow suffering? So <laughs> there you go. Let's Debbie Downer this whole thing. <laughs> You've obviously been a policeman for a long time, and as such, you don't just get to do parades. I'm sure you've seen your fair share and more so than suffering. Are you able to share any stories with us, with our listeners? Yeah, and you know, ahead of this, I thought a lot about some of the things I could share. And it's funny you would say Debbie Downer, because each one I thought where I said, you know, this could be a really good example I thought, man, that's going to be really heavy. That's going to be sad. And it's going to really get away from the structure we've kind of come up with here, the formula that we know works. Our heaping helping of humor. <laughs> here's our heaping helping of humor light. Well, and here's another problem. What if we tell this sad, sad story and then we go into hibernation again? And just oh, that's leave right. people hanging. Here's <laughs> really? our cliffhanger. Right. <laughs> You're going to want to stock up on tissues. Prepare it. Pretend like it's COVID-19, except for just with tissues. So I knew you would ask, so I thought, well, I will share a little story on the topic of why does a good God allow things to happen, and we'll talk about good people probably, or the concept of, well, I'm a good person. So right. I'll just share a little one that happened to me, if that's okay. Of course. Share, Andrew. So here share we were. Of us in Mozambique. <laughs> here we were, not in Mozambique, a little closer to where we are now. And there is a little bit of an exotic element to this story because we go to a disturbance call, me and another officer, veteran officer, good friend of mine, now retired, enjoying life. And we go to this house and we find a woman in the front yard upset after an argument with her husband. Well, where's husband now? He's inside the house. He doesn't want to come out. I came out here to get away from him. Fortunately, there's been no violence, no physical violence. It just got pretty intense. It got pretty heated. Well, we want to talk to him. We want to get his side of the story. We want to make sure everyone's safe and there's a resolution to this. And so we ask, can we go in and try to talk to him? She says, absolutely. Okay, well, please wait here in the yard, we tell her. Don't come in. <laughs> we decide to go in. And as we enter, I realize this house is probably the 
I'll just say it, trashiest house I've been in at this point in my career. If you've seen Star Wars where they end up in the trash pit, <laughs> this is what it felt like. We're inside the Death Star trash pit. <laughs> it literally is up to our shins, and oh. it's wall-to-wall garbage. Shin-high, wall-to-wall. I couldn't tell you if you had wow. carpet, hardwood flooring, linoleum tile. I couldn't tell you what the flooring was because you couldn't see it. Wow. The only thing that's not happening is the walls are not closing in, but it sure felt like it. Right. <laughs> and we've been in houses that are pretty bad, so this isn't anything that was going to stop us. We needed to talk to this guy, and we needed to make sure we did our jobs. As we go into the room, the front door is still open. I can see her in the yard. We obviously don't want her coming in and kind of putting us in between him and her. So we've asked her to stay out there. And I look over and on this huge built-in set of shelves is the largest aquarium I've ever seen, at least outside of a zoo. Oh my. I've never seen an aquarium this big in somebody's house, at least not in our community. That's one big goldfish. Oh my. But there's no water in it. That's one big landfish. There's also no creature in it. That's one big scare. And there's also no glass in the front of it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I turn to her and I say, hey, what's supposed to be in here? And from the front yard, she says, are you kidding me? Is our alligator missing? Oh, my word. I'll have phrases I'd never heard I'd thought I'd hear in rural Mount Vernon, Ohio for 300, please, Alex. <laughs> and we miss you, Alex, by the way. As soon as she says this, the other officer and I don't miss a beat. We've worked together long enough at this point, handled enough calls together. Without saying a word, we look at each other. The look on his face is priceless because this guy is just one of those naturally funny people. But he's not smiling now. And he doesn't have anything quick-witted to come back with. We just look at each other, and without missing a beat, simultaneously, we pull out our service weapons. And now we're going to clear this house as if we're looking for an armed and dangerous subject with a warrant. That's right. Or very sharp teeth and powerful tail. Right. And here we are. We're just trying to make things right for these people, do our jobs have everybody happy, come up with a good resolution. And now one of us are going to get eaten by an alligator. And full disclosure, I know I'm not faster than that alligator, but I do know I'm faster than the guy I'm with. <laughs> you don't have to be the fastest, just faster. Is there, without trying to share any trade secrets, is there a code for alligator on the loose? Is it like, oh, dispatch, we've got all 367-492A Alpha Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> there probably is a code, but I don't know if I can say it on the air. <laughs> I think it's more of a reaction. I think I know what this guy would have said, no, yes, yes. knowing him as well as I do. Yes. As it turns out, we didn't find the husband. He had gone out the back door or the alligator. Oh, so goodness. for a long time afterwards, I thought, boy, it might be an interesting summer. We might have somebody like us who's just trying to do something right. that has nothing to do with an alligator, no element right. of danger even for another person who may be saying, I'm going to go play at the nearby river and get eaten by an alligator. And all of a sudden there's now who would have thought we're not in Mozambique. No, that's I right. Don't know, are there alligators in Mozambique? I assume it sounds like there could be alligator. We'll I have to know. check that later. If you're listening from Mozambique, let us know. Are there alligators in Mozambique? <laughs> so my question, how do we go from perfect paradise to a, tr to a house full of trash and alligators? How does that happen? 
That is a good question, and I think that's one that everybody has asked at some point when I they think find so. themselves I think so. shin deep in trash. Shin deep in trash and looking for an alligator. How do we go from paradise to a house full of trash and alligators? Or, to put it this way, how could a good God allow suffering in a world like ours? How is there suffering? And how are there alligators on the loose? Well, we're going to try to do our very best to answer at least one of those questions right after this. It's so good to be back. Welcome back, all of you listeners. You are listening to The Preacher and the Policeman. I am L.J. Harry. I'm the preacher. And I'm Andy. I'm the policeman. If you're just joining us, we are trying to do our best to answer the question, the tough question, how could a good God allow suffering. There are a lot of people out there, perhaps you're even one of them, who's a lot like Hillary. Hillary was a college student in New York City, and she said this, I just don't believe the God of Christianity exists. God allows terrible suffering in the world. So he might be either all-powerful but not good enough to end evil and suffering, or else he might be all-good but not powerful enough to end evil and suffering. Either way, the all-good, all-powerful God of the Bible, he just can't exist. A lot of people in our world who have that very question about God. So let's just answer one of those objections Hillary has from Scripture and from our lives. God is all good. And God is all powerful. And God is all wise. Which means God will always do good. He always has the power and the wisdom to do good. So back to our question, why is there suffering? Obviously, we know the world isn't all Skittles and rainbows and dancing unicorns. There are alligators. There are alligators in, in this world. And a whole lot of trash. And a whole lot of trash. And if don't try to ride a dancing unicorn, that's fairly dangerous. But if you take a look at the scripture, look at it from Genesis 3 to Revelation 18. That's almost cover to cover. There's suffering everywhere. Tears are as yeah. common as breaths. But when you pinch and zoom on Genesis 1 and 2, you can pinch and zoom as long as you need to, and you won't find one tissue to dry one tear in Genesis 1 and 2. The way God designed our world, if we take a look at the blueprints in the very beginning from God, he designed our world without suffering. No hospitals, no funeral homes, no cancer clinics, no walk-in clinics, no walkers, no joggers, (laughs) no wheelchairs. Creation was perfect, just like God designed it. Wouldn't it be neat to go back to that? That would be nice, a world without the thorns again. Yes. Interestingly enough, we won't get to go back, but we will get to go forward. So here's the question. If there's suffering, why? And the simple answer, in case you have to go because you left the iron on, the simple answer is God gave us a choice. Suffering was not God's idea. It was ours. God planted a few trees, a lot of trees in the Garden of Eden. We know that story from Genesis And he told Adam and Eve, you can eat of any of the trees in the garden, except there's just one. Don't eat from that tree. And the day you do, you die. So why? Why would God plant a tree? Why would God say, here's paradise, but I'm going to put a tree there. So if you want to open the door to not paradise, Mm -hmm. you can open the door by eating from that tree. Why Why not leave the tree out of the garden? Mm -hmm. Why, when God was growing the garden, did he just not plant that seed and plant that tree? Why would he create us with the freedom to choose a life with suffering and a life away from him? 
doesn't make a lot of sense if you think about it. It would be a world, wouldn't it be wonderful to have a world without hate or selfishness or sin or suffering? It sounds like paradise. All you have to do, leave the tree out of the garden, problem solved. Except it would be a world without love. Mm. We would serve God not because we love him, but we have no other choice. Yeah, yeah. Andrea and I have been married now for 21 years, 8 months, and 10 days. So it's our 21 year, 8 month, 10 day anniversary. How wonderful. Thank you. I've got to pick up a card. That's great. At least. <laughs> Very <a> specific card. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they have been the best 21 years, 8 months, and 10 days of my life. But what if, when it was time for me to marry and her to marry, what if I was the only guy left in the world? What if I was the only last, lonely, long-chinned, single guy left in the world? Mm. But she wants to be a wife and a mother, and she wants to start a family, have children. I might wonder from day to day, did she marry me because she loves me? Or did she marry me because she, don't, she doesn't have a choice? Wow, yeah, that's a great way to look at it. When I track mud all across the carpet and the hardwood floors, or I leave <laughs> my wet towels all over the bathroom floors, <laughs> would I wonder, did she marry me because she loves me, because she chose me? or because she didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got two daughters together, but does she love me? We even have three failed attempts at a dog together, and <laughs> interestingly enough, we're gonna try perhaps one more time to be dog people, just just one more time. Fingers crossed. Oh my, <laughs> fingers and paws crossed. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. But God planted the tree in the garden, not because he hates us, but because he loves us, and that sounds counterintuitive, but he gave us a choice. We could serve him, not because we have to, but because we want to. Whether we admit it or not, want to fess up or not, suffering wasn't God's design. It was, it was our design. Our fingerprints, if you look at the DNA kit, if you take a look at the, the fingerprint dusting, you won't find God's fingerprints on suffering. You'll find ours. Now, I, I'm not much of a builder. I, my, all of my stuff is more DIY than DIY. You are far more carpenter oriented than you don't you don't give yourself enough credit yeah yeah, maybe your wife has the eye for design but you compliment each other beautifully because i've seen what you've done in your place and it's pretty impressive well i appreciate that what you haven't seen are the failed attempts at getting that done well that's a trade secret you don't point out all the mistakes (laughs) any woodworker will tell you that yes you don't you don't tell people here's where i messed up that's what i did here (laughs) yes well i have plenty of that but while we were tearing out we were trying to open up the dining room to the kitchen. We had a wall in the middle, and we wanted to tear that wall out to make it more open. I had to check to see if it's a load-bearing wall because I don't know a lot about construction. I know enough to know if you tear a load-bearing wall down, you might, you tear, you might tear the house down. <laughs> right. So when I found out it's not a load-bearing wall, I took a sawzall and sledgehammer to it and just went to town. But let me ask you a question from a, a not-real-experienced guy to a much more experienced guy with building if that was a load-bearing wall, and I took a sledge and a sawzall to it, and I tore the load-bearing wall down, and it brought the house crashing down, mm-hmm. could I sue the builder? Oh, my. <laughs> For something that you did? Right. I guess if you find a good enough attorney, you might <laughs> not throw a whole lot of money right. away for nothing. But I think, yeah, ultimately you'd throw a lot of money away for nothing going after somebody. Uh, I right. don't think that's going to work. So if I'm the one who made the mistake... I'm the one who tore the load-bearing wall down, even though the builder built it right. I can't sue the builder and win? I don't think you're going to have much hope in that. <laughs> ah, okay, well, 
Maybe next time. You better stick to the 401k plan for your retirement. Yes, that, I, I don't think that's going to be a path for you. I may just end up going to Mozambique. <laughs> so here's the point. God created the world. He puts a load-bearing wall in the middle. And he said, if you guys live on anywhere in the house, you eat from any of the tree in the garden, just don't tear the load-bearing wall down. Don't eat the fruit. We took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We tore the load-bearing wall down, and we want to sue the builder. But that's not in the blueprint. We find suffering all from Genesis 3 to Revelation 18 from the beginning of time and at the, or actually the beginning of time and at the end of time, we won't find suffering anymore. The way it was in the beginning and the way it will be in the end, that's God's design. That's how he created it. Perfect paradise, which is why John, when he wrote in Revelation, he wrote with a tear on the page when he said, I saw the city. It was beautiful. It was perfect. It was paradise, just as God created it. And in that city, when we get to that day where it will be even better than it was in the beginning, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What a day. There will be a day. What a day that will be. What a day. What a day that will be. And one day, this day will be that day. But until this day is that day, we wrestle with the reality of suffering. So God gave us stories all throughout the scripture, even gave us stories all throughout our lives to point out, why suffering is so, so much a part of life. And interestingly enough, in those stories, like I think of the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis, mm-hmm. he went through everything, thrown into a pit by his brothers. They were going to kill him. And they thought, eh, let's not kill him. Let's sell him. Let's, uh, let's sell this little spoiled brat brother of ours and make him work for one day in his silver spoon fed life. Right. And so they sell him into slavery. He goes into slavery. God favors him. Mm-hmm. He gets sold to Potiphar, which is the, basically the secret service mm-hmm. in Egypt. Then Potiphar's wife lies on him. Mm-hmm. So then he gets thrown into prison, but God favors him. And he gets one of the guys out of prison, or at least tells him the dream that's going to get him out of prison. And then the guy forgets about him. Yeah. So it goes through all of that. Right. And yet at the end of all of, the, all of that suffering and all of that pain, and people would say, God didn't love Joseph. Joseph could have lost his life. Many would argue Joseph should have lost his faith. And yet he held on to it through it because God had a plan right. and a purpose for his pain. Yes. Suffering is not purposeless. Sometimes God has a purpose and a plan for our pain, and God uses pain and uses suffering to bring about good. I think about why there is even a podcast called The Preacher and the Policeman who record one episode a year to all of our listeners out there in Mozambique. We'll do better, I promise. It all started because there were two tragic officer deaths in Westerville. Yes. And God did not cause that. And yet God used that pain to bring about good here in Mount Vernon, a reality that our officers deal with trauma and put their lives on the line every second at every call. So what we need are people there to support them and help them minister to them, be with them whenever they go through the trauma, they see and they hear and they smell the things they do while working. Right. This is an opportunity to bring about good from evil, to bring about healing from suffering. And that's how he works. He does have a way of taking broken things and making something beautiful out of that. It's hard to see when you're in the middle of those broken things. It is. It is. But yet God does bring purpose out of pain. Let's do a little experiment. Everybody wants to know, why did God plant the tree? I had somebody ask me that very question yesterday night. Why did God plant the tree? We had it just a couple weeks ago at our Bible study. 
It's such yeah. a prominent question. Why yeah. would God do that? So let, let's go back. Let's do a little experiment. Let's start the story all over. Let's do what I do when I'm not winning on Xbox One. Let's reset. Let's go back and try to keep that perfect season intact. This is life before sin. This is life before suffering. Adam and Eve, they're just skipping through the garden. They're singing zippity-doo-dah. They both see the tree. Eve gets that look in her eye. And we all know how the story ends if she eats from the tree. You're the all-powerful, all-wise all good God, you see the look in Eve's eye, you know what she's going to do, what do you do? If you intervene, <laughs> which you could, it's going to change things dramatically. If you gave her a choice mm -hmm. and then ripped the choice away, mm. and the choice was there because you love her enough to say, I will give you the choice. You can love right. me and serve me because you want to, or I take the choice away and you have to. So how... How do you still love her and love us without taking away the choice? And he certainly has the power to do that. Sure he does. He could make us robotic almost. I will serve the Lord. Exactly. But again, do we love him? Do we just simply fear him? Are we just programmed by design to take all the steps, go through all the motions? Exactly. It, it's, it's almost like... If you were drafted into military service, that seems to be different or feel different than if you went into a recruiting office and said, I want to serve my country. Right. Everybody who has gone to the recruiting office went there out of choice. Mm -hmm. Those who were drafted, they may go kicking and screaming and try to dodge the draft. Right. But nevertheless, they have to fight because there's a need and there is no choice. Or it could be like the card you pick out today. Right. You may pick out a card that will work for her because you have to get her a card. You've been married 21 years. Right. But I know because if Eight you love her. Eight months and 10 her, days. <laughs> anniversary. Because I know how much you love her. You want to get her a card that says, I love you and I want to show you. Right. And I know that you're going to get her probably a pretty nice gift or maybe a very nice message in that card specifically. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Exactly. So love is choice. And choice is evidence of love. So let's fast forward the story to today. We can't go back to the garden, but we can start it today. So let's go back to today. Where do you draw the line on suffering? Again, you're the all-wise, all-good, all-powerful God. Where do you step in to stop suffering before it starts? Do you only do the big-ticket items? Do you only stop murder? Terrorism? Do you only stop 9-11 from happening? Do you only stop drug abuse? Child abuse. What about child abuse that stems from drug abuse? Do you stop drunk driving? Do you stop adultery? Do you stop just the big ones, the ones that kind of get listed in the Ten Commandments, which are covered in ten words by L.J. Harry, oh, shameless plug. I highly recommend do you, it. Do you stop theft? What about slander? Do you stop one teen from typing words on social media that will drive another teen to take their own life? Would you stop somebody from jaywalking if that meant they were walking into oncoming traffic and that was going to end their life. How can you take away suffering without taking away freedom? Let me ask you this. The state patrol said speed kills. Do you stop people from speeding? Well, if you want to be safe and do your job and protect the public, you're going to have to, even when it's an inconvenience. So are you asking God, are you giving him reins and full control and saying, I want you to tell me what I do and what I don't do and actually do more than tell me. I want you to control me. 
And if I go 56 into 55, I want you to bring the car back to 55. Mm -hmm. The question is, where do you stop choice? Do you only stop it where we think you should stop it? Mm -hmm. Or do you stop it all the way back to the very point of sin or breaking the law or transgressing the law? Yeah, and I, and I don't think you can really categorize it or expect God to categorize it the way we do from our human viewpoint. Right. I think that what may be bad for me is not necessarily bad for another person. The trauma that I might experience, another person is going to handle differently. They might not give it the same ranking that I would in terms of events we see. So where do you draw the line? We could just go on and on. You went from terrorism to jaywalking. Exactly. And depending on how you look at it, we're not probably going to prioritize those the same as even each other. Um, I know that Great jaywalking point. obviously is not equated to terrorism. We That's know right. that much at least. But maybe I think some things should be canceled by God that you don't or vice versa. That's our human viewpoint, of course. Exactly. And we're not all wise. So there's Correct. really, I think we could agree there's no way to stop suffering yeah. without stopping choice. Right. So let me ask you this one, and this one's, this one's huge. You stop the Holocaust. You stop six million Jews from dying in the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. Because that's too many. We all can agree that's just too many right. to die in such a senseless way. Yeah. What about six Jews? Uh, Do you yeah. stop six? Right. Is right. that not enough to right. warrant God stepping in? Right. If not, why? Why is their life right. not more valuable? Would, would you spare them for the sake of six? Exactly. Yeah. Right. If, if Hitler had only done to six what he did to six million, right. would you stop that? Yeah. That's a good same question. guy, mm -hmm. same result, mm -hmm. different number. Right. Where would you stop it? You can't stop suffering without stopping choice. So let me tell you what God did do. All wise, all powerful, all good God. He mm -hmm. didn't stop suffering. He stepped into it. Nobody could fault him if he stayed away. He yeah. had no obligation to us. This is our mess. We should clean it up. Right. God would have been justified to just say, you made it, you cleaned it up. But right. instead, he stepped into our suffering. Right. And he didn't come to taunt and mock us and make fun of us. Right. He came to empathize with us. Isaiah prophesied that Jesus one day would come and he would bear all our griefs and carry all our sorrows. For every time any of us have ever stood at the bedside or graveside of someone we loved and lost, Jesus already bore the grief and sorrow we have come to carry. That is so true. I think that we tend to forget when we're in the middle of the trash pile and we're worried about the alligators, we tend to forget that we're in a mess here and we're in some danger. God didn't cause it. No, and in didn't. that situation, I didn't cause it. The officer I was with didn't cause it. Right. We didn't choose to have an alligator that apparently was also a Houdini wannabe. Right. Right. We didn't choose for these two to get in a fight or whatever the conditions were that led up to the house being the way. That wasn't our choice, but here we are in the middle of the garbage. Right. But it's a beautiful way to put it the way you just did because despite the mess we're in, even though God didn't cause it, he's still there with us. Yes, he is. There's beauty in that. Yes. Yeah. God stepped into our suffering. He stepped in to know what it felt like to be hurt, yeah. betrayed, lied on, lied to, abandoned, forsaken, to feel sorrow, to grieve, to be angry, to hunger, to suffer. And Jesus carried that powder keg of emotions and suffering on him when he carried his cross. It's one thing for a pastor to put their arm around you and say, I'm so sorry for your loss. I know what you're going through. I understand what you're going through. But it's a miracle for the almighty God 
to put his arm around you and say, I understand what you're going through, yeah. but he does. Yeah. And he will give us a greater gift than an explanation when we suffer. He will give us peace. That is so true. This weekend is resurrection weekend. This is the weekend, especially we celebrate the resurrection Easter Sunday, which obviously is the hope of all the world. But it's the hope that Jesus did come into our world, stepped into our suffering, suffered at the sinful hands of our world. But he conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. And one day, by the grace of God, so will we. Amen. One day, this day will be that day. And on that day, all the wrongs you're worried about and all the injustice you're worried about, one day God will right every unrepented wrong. That is so true. And LJ, I got to share with you the some of the times we, we some of the time we look at the situation we're in and we can't find that silver lining. For that officer and I on that call, we knew we could leave. We knew that we would at some point be out of that house, eventually home in our own homes where there are no alligators, there are no trash piles. But sometimes it doesn't seem like we're going to find a happy ending. Everybody right. wants a happy ending. All of right. our movies have happy endings. When you see a movie that doesn't have a happy ending, you're not a very happy viewer. That's right. So let me ask you this, preacher. What do you do when you have somebody who has a situation, they're in turmoil, and there really just is not a happy ending because we don't live in a fairy tale world. How do you handle no, we that? Don't. We remind ourselves that this world is not our home. It's more like a hotel. We're just here for a little while. Yeah. Our home, our hope is heaven. Jesus rose from the grave yeah. one day because he did, because he did step into suffering. That's our hope. If, if I'm a pauper, if I'm penniless, if I'm homeless all throughout this life, as we read in Luke 16, the story of Lazarus, but I live in eternity in the unveiled presence of God, yeah. I have one life. So, preacher, what you're saying is, is there is a happy ending. There is. There yes, will be there a happy is. Ending. What a wonderful segue to not only this podcast, this episode, but to our life. Yeah. The happy ending we're all looking for is one day Jesus will set all the crooked records straight. He will vanquish sin and sickness. He will vanquish suffering once and for all. You read that in the end of Revelation, bringing things back to better than they were at the beginning, even in Genesis. He will mete out unfettered justice to those who have shown no mercy. He will settle all the accounts, and he will hold all the unrepentant responsible for the suffering in our world. The wicked aren't going to get away with it just because justice is delayed. We don't throw the book away in the yeah. middle of it or even near the end if the author hasn't finished the book. If it hasn't been happy yet, mm -hmm. don't throw it away just because the author hasn't resolved it chalk up another win for the bad guys rather keep reading keep letting the author write and understand we're not finished yet we are still in the middle of the book god is not finished he has authored our story and if we trust him we leave the pen in his hand he will finish our story and the ending will be much better than the beginning that is so true and i think uh 
from experience and you were part of this experience for me. So I asked you that question because I, I already knew the answer because you've been there for me a number of times for some things in my personal life, not just my professional life, including when my brother died, mm -hmm. my oldest brother, I've buried two brothers, but my oldest brother and the impact that that had on me and the story with his life, uh, just to share for people who are listening, who are going through something or have gone through something who say, you know what, I'm one of those people that don't have a happy ending. Right. It doesn't always work out. There's not always a hero to save me. Right. There's not always a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Sometimes it's just bad and worse and then worser. bad again or worser. <laughs> And it was that way for Buck to a large extent. Buck was a good man. He's a person I can truly say never harmed anyone. He just never got a break. He had a number of problems in his life with uh, these low paying jobs that he was always faithful to, but mistreated at. And again, just a very peaceful, kind person, trouble in his marriage and all these setbacks that time after time, it looked like, Buck could just not catch a break. And when he was down, he got kicked even more, but Buck never really fussed. Buck just kept on pressing on and really was by all accounts, what we would call, at least in secular terms, a good person. And I always wondered, is Buck going to get a break? When our other brother died, he inherited a fairly nice car, probably the nicest car that he had ever owned. And it was just a few days that somebody, who knows who it was, it was certainly no one that would have ever crossed paths with Buck and said, boy, I don't like that guy. I'm going to teach him a lesson. But they slashed his tires in the parking lot at the apartment complex where he lived, all four tires. So Buck just couldn't get a break. There was never a happy ending for Buck, at least not in this life. He clocked out of work one day. He worked for a large retailer in a city nearby. And we went out to his car. He opened the car door and sat down and died in his car in the parking lot at his job. I had a massive heart attack. And I couldn't understand that. Why did Buck never get a break? I reached out to a dispatcher at another city who is married to an officer in the city where Buck died. I thought, I'm going to have Mozambique. <laughs> making all these connections Mozambique around city. the world. <laughs> We're not sponsored by anybody in Mozambique, by the no, way. No, but thanks for listening. <laughs> it is fun to say. It is a great word. It is word. a fun word. Mozambique. Mozambique. So. It's French for, <laughs> I like the omelets. <laughs> So I reached out to this person. I said, is there any chance your husband was on this call? It wasn't in my jurisdiction. I'm trying to reach out, trying to find some answers because I know that if I can at least talk to another officer, there'll be a professional courtesy there that's done and they'll give me some insight. Surely it was probably an officer who was first on scene. As it turns out, he was not on that scene, but a friend of his was. And so through this dispatcher, his wife, who was somebody I knew for many years before working in our city, she said, hey, he wanted me to tell you he wasn't there, but his friend was. And by all accounts, it looks like your brother went so quick and so peacefully, there was no suffering. In fact, he opened that car door, and before he was even on the seat of the car, the medics and the officer said it looks like he may have actually died as he was sitting on the seat before he came to rest on that cushion. So there was some comfort in that. And that sounds a little morbid for somebody who hasn't been close to death or lost a loved one, but you can't go and undo that death. Right. But there is some peace in knowing that that person died peacefully. In fact, it was such a 
quick and peaceful passing that somebody else, a shopper pulling into that store, parking across from him, saw a gentleman in a car in the driver's seat with the door open. I think one foot was actually still out on the pavement. And they thought, well, there's a person taking a nap while somebody's inside the store shopping and he's waiting on that person. Mm -hmm. And the longer they looked, they said, oh, there's something not right. And they went to check and they realized he's not asleep, he's dead. And so they called the police. And so for me, there was some peace in that, but it still leaves the question, he was a nice guy. He was a good guy. He never hurt sure, anybody. Sure. Why couldn't he get a break? Where is his happy ending? For me, I get a little bit of peace from what I find out through my colleagues in another city. People I don't really even know, but show me a professional courtesy and I'm given that peace of mind. But the real peace of mind is yes. what you mentioned a few minutes ago, because I have the hope yes. of seeing him again. Yes. So the happy ending is there. It's just not there yet. Right. And I've got to wait just a little while. Yes. And when you mentioned Genesis, I'm glad you were talking about Genesis three and going up through Revelation, because we tend to focus on some things that I think a lot of people can tell you how the Bible starts in the beginning. And we got this beautiful creation story and these wonderful things that happen that we can zoom in on but sometimes we kind of forget that the rest of that book it mentions creation here and there a little bit Jesus talked about it briefly we've got some mentions of it in Job but the real real weight of this book is in the redemption yes it's a redemption story yes it is and it's really not his mess no, he didn't not. do it, and he didn't make that alligator escape in your life. That's right. But he's there to say, it's your mess, but you can have redemption through me. I can clean it up. Oh, that's so beautiful. So I, I like to think of it in those terms. And I know there's people out there listening that are going through something or have something in their lives that it has wounded them, hurt them, devastated them, and they're looking for that happy ending. The best is yet to come. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's beautiful. So how, let's wrap up. How could a good God allow suffering? He gave us a choice. And we chose sin. Yeah. So that's on us. But why would a good God, a holy God, step into our suffering when he, when he didn't have to? Mm. He had a choice. He chose us. And that's grace. Yes. Thank God for grace. Amen. I'd like to pray for all of those out there listening who are dealing with suffering right now. Maybe it's a broken home, broken family, broken heart, lost job, lost loved one. Maybe it's abuse, neglect, whatever suffering you're dealing with right now. I want to pray that God would bring peace. And that if you do not know the Jesus we just shared with you, that you would come to know him. You would... Call out to him and ask him to give you help and hope in the middle of your suffering. Yes. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you for everything you have done for us, everything you are doing for us. I thank you for stepping into our suffering when you did not have to. I thank you for loving us enough to choose us. Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for not destroying us. Thank you for not leaving us alone, neglecting us, abusing us. Thank you, God, for caring enough about us to step into our world and suffer at the hands of our world to conquer death, conquer hell, conquer the grave, redeem us from our sin. You are abundantly good and great. I do pray you administer to all those who are suffering, hurting, 
All those who have more questions than answers, please minister to them today, God. Help everyone who's listening to feel the power of God, the love of God, the hope that only comes from you. I pray, Lord, every one of us would turn to you, look to you, and ask you to help us, not only out of our suffering, but in the midst of it, and that we would find that you are our hope and our peace. I pray you would do this for all of us, and I give you a great thanks and praise for your mercy and grace in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks so much, Preaching the Policemen listeners. It really is good to be back. We're looking forward to continuing to share good news with you. We're going to do our very best to share the gospel with current events and mix in a heaping helping of humor as much as we can. Next time we get together, we want to continue our walk through these tough questions because, hey, why? Why not a little controversy for the stomach's sake? I <laughs> <laughs> want to share with you a, another question. How could a good God send anybody to hell? That's another big one. That's, that's a gonna be big exciting. <laughs> that's a that's a big alligator with a with a trash filled house. We're gonna try to answer that question for you next time. But until then, I thank you so much for tuning in to the preacher and the policeman. My name is LJ, I am the preacher. And my name's Andy, I'm the policeman. Well, be blessed and be safe.